I'm Kate Daniels, and I'm privileged to have an amazing author, Judy Battalion, join us today. The Light of Days, the untold story of women resistance fighters in Hitler's ghettos, took more than a decade of research and travel to write. War is abhorrent, and there are things that happen during war that are even more abhorrent, something like the Holocaust. In this book, Judy introduces us to some amazing and courageous people, in particular, some young women who took incredible risks and seemed to do so without question because it meant saving innocent lives. Judy joins us now to provide some further insights to inspire us to get the book and read about the historic and important events. Judy Battalion, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, you are really an incredible gift, a a treasure, really, of uh, just who you are and what you're doing. Uh, Your writing is so important, uh, as, as well as gripping. And this new book, The Light of Days, The Untold Story of Women Resistance Fighters in Hitler's Ghettos, is is a largely untold story. You had to do a great deal of digging to really find this history. And so that's one of the big reasons we have a depth of gratitude to you for, you know, being so diligent and seeking this out. But it it couldn't have been, and I and I'm sure it wasn't an easy road for you uh, to uh, really unearth all this history. No, it was not. Um, sure, this project uh, took. I, I began this project 14 years ago. To put to put it in context, it took a really long time. This project was challenging uh, intellectually, practically, um, and emotionally. Um, and I can talk about any of those areas, but, you know, for one, I was dealing with very difficult uh, material. I, I'm creating, in this book, I've created a history out of memoirs, out of testimonies, and I read dozens and dozens and dozens of both incredible but also harrowing uh, first-person testimonies of women in the Holocaust. And and that took me a, a very long time emotionally to do. And so we're, we are dealing with, with heavy emotional material. And for you, it's very personal because your family roots are there. So that was really part of the impetus, was it not? I am the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors, um, and I, I originally came into this project quite serendipitously. I, um, I, was, uh, I was very interested in the time in exploring what I call the emotional legacy of the Holocaust, the, the way that trauma passes over generations. And um, I, I was particularly interested in, in the idea of danger and how in my own life I felt that my Holocaust heritage shaped how I perceived and reacted to danger, and that was an issue I wanted to explore. Um, when I, I was doing some research around this in the British Library and happened to come across this unusual book, um, it was this old fabric bound with gold lettering. It was an old book, and, and, and it was also in Yiddish. It was called Freuden in the Ghettos, Women in the Ghettos. And I, I was 
um, I was intrigued by this. I always say even more unusual than the book is the fact that I speak Yiddish. I read and understand Yiddish. So uh, I started flipping through this object and uh, came across something totally unexpected. It was not at all what I had been researching, but this was a book listing dozens and dozens of young Jewish women in the ghettos who participated in organized resistance against the Nazis, um, you know, with photos and, and little bios and some obituaries and some testimony. And this was simply like nothing I'd ever heard. So I, 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 I knew right away that this was, this was a story that was important to tell, though it was not at all what I had set out looking for. And the story, this is a really important subject, the trauma passing over generations. uh, Certainly, the Jewish people can can feel this. I I think that there might be a parallel with what black people in America feel. Uh, And I'm sure I'm just glossing over then other cultures, but here... By addressing, really looking this in the face, Judy, do you do you feel that there was a healing that's gone on? That maybe there's a way that it it will not be passed down in such a way to your children. Well, that's a great question, and I I think that I I can answer that by saying when I, you know I went into this project really looking to solve the the own um, you know my my own extreme anxiety, my own difficulty uh, thinking around danger. Everything feels very dangerous to me. Um, and I think I've, I've come out of it looking at not only how trauma passes through generations and perhaps difficulties, but also strength. These stories are ones of such courage and daring and, 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 and passion and compassion and I, I think I've come out of it learning, learning that as much as trauma passes through generations, strength does too. And I, I feel so proud of my legacy. And I, I'm hoping I can focus my thinking a little bit on, on the positive too. Well, and, and that, all of that makes such perfect sense. So, so thank you for, you know, being that open and, and uh, forthcoming with that. Now, Focusing on some of these women, uh, courage, well, it's beyond imagination how courageous they were. And they were so young. Maybe I I wondered whether that played into it. They didn't even think about, you know, any other repercussions. It's like, I just have to do this. But there were other fearful people. But their courage, wasn't that just um, almost breath-stopping? I mean, these are women, and as you say, they're young women. Most of the women I write about are between 16 and 25, 26. And these women risked their lives, I mean, time and time again, day, on a daily basis, to, in their fight for freedom and justice. They were young Jewish women who dressed up and often pretended to be um, uh, Christian girls, these are many of the women I write about, and at the risk, every if a Jew left the ghetto, they would be killed. And these women constantly slipped in and out of the ghettos, passing as Christians, uh, 
trying to, I mean, to help Jews, connecting communities, sharing information, bringing news um, to Jews that had no newspapers, no radios. Um, They were bringing medical supplies, fake IDs, money, underground bulletins that they would braid into their hair. Then they also were helping to arm the underground. It was often young Jewish women who were leaving the ghettos to meet with weapons dealers and, and, and buy weapons from them, hiding them in, in handbags, taping them to their torsos, explosives in, in their clothes, ammunition, bullets, um, and they would bring these back to the ghettos. And they also did a lot of rescue work where they um, helped find Jews, helped take Jews out of ghettos and slave labor camps and find them hiding spots either in cities or, or in the forest. It's really so beyond comprehension in a way. So the story, for you to bring it to print, and we'll talk a bit later about it coming to the screen as well, but to bring this to light is really something we need to know. Uh, And thank you for doing that. So it was definitely quite a labor, and you said it took, what was it, 14 years to write? It, it started, the project started 14 years ago. Um, it took, it, yeah, it was about, I mean, I didn't work on it full time over that entire time, but I worked on it over uh, about 12 years. Yeah. Well, and you probably needed the breaks because it's so intense. Yes, it was so intense. As I said, it was difficult intellectually and emotionally. It was so intense. It was also very difficult practically. I was working on a project that involved many languages, many countries. It required travel and and translations. That that's what took a lot of time as well. Mm-hmm. And you, in terms of travel, you met with the families of some of these very strong, uh, courageous women. I did. I met with about 20 families. And what was that experience like? You you actually traveled to Israel for that. I did. I, I traveled to Israel. I also met with families in, in North America, Canada, and the U.S. as well. I mean, that was... It, I, I should explain to to your listeners that um, the last section of the book actually takes place after the war. Um, The book is in four parts, and in in that fourth part, I was so, as as we began this conversation with, I'm so interested in how these women continued surviving, for the ones who did survive. How did they experience the trauma that they experienced, as well as the drama that they lived, the, the, the dramatic events that they, I mean, the efforts they did, the, the things they did in the underground, how did they do all that and then go on after the war? These women were so young. They were alone. They had no family, no, no home. They were refugees in new countries. And I, I was extremely interested in how they c- continued surviving how they had families, what they were like after the war. So speaking to these families both helped me understand first that initial question of how, how, what happened to them and their families after the war, and also really helped me to understand their personalities. I got glimpses into 
you know uh, the nuances of their of their personalities, their what they liked, what they didn't like, what they filled their days and and their lives with. So it, it was very exciting. It was frightening at first, but also very exciting. And how did they react to your contacting them and and wanting to to meet and to tell the story? For the most part, families were so happy that I was writing this story. Um, most of them knew a little bit about their mothers or grandmothers. Some of them knew quite a bit. Um, and most of them felt actually quite upset that, that they hadn't received recognition, that the story hadn't been told widely. Um, and, and I think they felt very, um, I, think, I think, I hope they felt quite happy that, that I, uh, that I I'm, you know, most of them are not professional writers, so they're happy that someone was able to take these stories and, and translate them for, for a more general public. Mostly they've been very supportive. Which is great. And so the story was uh, caught the attention of Steven Spielberg, which is uh, no surprise in a way, but how did you feel about that happening? Yeah, that happened almost right after I, I had gotten the book deal. So I, I, after many, many years, I finally sat down and wrote a book proposal. I actually ended up doing it very quickly because... It had all sort of seeped into me over time. And then it was all quite quick. There was interest in the book, interest in in, um, the movie option, all like within a couple of weeks. So it was was very exciting to to think that this story that I had lived with in my head for a long time also had appeal outside that. Yes, absolutely. I... And it's no surprise, I guess, really, when you've been living with it and it's been kind of, what, percolating within you, that finally when you decide to get it down on paper, uh, the book proposal, that it would actually come together because it, it, it had formulated itself probably a lot by then. Yeah, some of the benefits of it being so difficult and taking me so long was that it, it sort of... It, it it came together naturally, in a sense, yes. And your family, because the roots are there, you you shared that too. How have they responded to all of your research and and having created this book? Uh, I think they're very they're very pleased. That I oh, good. <laughs> I mean, I, I my you know this book is not about my family. No. Um, which I think they're relieved about because I, before I wrote a lot of memoir about them, so <laughs> this is a pleasant break from that. Um, and uh, I, you know, I think they've been they've been very, you know, my, my I know my father's repeatedly said he he grew up with this, you know, this misset that Jews were so passive in the war, and which I think is is quite common, and he feels very happy that I that my story is is helping to dissolve that myth. And that's a, a, an interesting insight that he grew up thinking that. So that, you know, even all these decades later, he he feels, what, uh, some uh, healing from that and uh, some compassion, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
I think so. So that's great from a from a male perspective, uh, seeing this the, this truth come out about the women because it, it, often it's you know it's it's the men who are the on the front lines and they're doing all the brave things, but to find that it was these women who were able to. Uh, do these incredible things to save so many people? Well, I should say men were part of the resistance as well. It was not only women. Um, but because uh, for certain reasons, which which I can describe in a moment, it was easier for women to do certain roles. It was easier for women to leave the ghettos. It was easier for women to pass as Christian. Um, and this is because, for one, women were not circumcised, so they didn't have a physical marker of their Jewishness on their body. Um, Women also, in the 1930s, education was mandatory for boys and girls in Poland. Um, But in many Jewish families, they sent their sons to Jewish schools and their daughters to public Polish schools. Um, This was usually to to save money. They couldn't afford tuitions for everyone. Um, But because of this, Jewish women in the 1930s, Jewish girls, learned, they, they had many Christian friends. They, they learned about Catholic habit and mannerism and, and even prayers. And important, they, they learned how to speak Polish like a Pole, they always say, without the creaky Yiddish accent. Um, and, and because of this, women were better able to pass. And so they took on these particular rules where they were leaving the ghetto to do underground work. And, and these were, I mean, all, everything in the underground was dangerous, but in these, in these roles, I mean, they were, you know, every step outside the ghetto risk, risked their lives. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's beyond imagining what that would have been like. And I have to think that it, it's just that youth, the feeling of invincibility, and we're just going to do something that would have been kind of that great motivator? I think it's a couple of things. I think it is youth. I I was reading recently, actually, about how we only really come to understand risk somewhere in our mid-20s, basically, according to brain development. And I I thought about that a lot in in this story. These I'm writing about people who were young, um, and but I think it was also that many of these um, many of these young Jews had been part of youth movements before the war. They were part of these very they were political, they were intellectual, social, emotional youth movements. That's how um, Jewish youth was organized, and so many of them they knew each other. And they were also trained to work together. They often lived together even before the war. And these were value-based movements. They really taught pride in our people, pride in our history. Um, They they really, they they were sort of primed to become this kind of underground, both both because they, they valued Jewish identity and freedom and equality and truth, and and because they were already very attuned with each other, they trusted each other and knew how to work together. 
And and that is interesting how all of that was occurring pretty much at, at just the right time. And, and their families didn't really quite understand it, might not have wanted them to be involved in, in these youth movements. But it really was the the needed foundation moving forward. Yes, yes, it's true. Many of the families were upset. This is pre-war that their that their teenagers were leaving their family home to move into a commune with their youth movement. Um, but it, in the end, this ended up being that it ended up being. I mean, these were movements of peace, and uh, you know, they were often the ones I write about were they were socialist. They were. I mean, you know, I wouldn't say bohemian because that's that's not the right term for the time, but they were really about self-awareness and psychology and peace and harmony and these and creation. And these ended up becoming groups, uh, fighting groups, groups of destruction. Um, but their their training had 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 led them to do that. Right. Yes, it, it's. Well, that that what the foundation was there that was so important. They had that that bond. I mean, it's it's they traveled to you know they weren't that great distances when you consider today, but uh, in that time to move between borders and different parts of the country that were actually borders because some were considered. Uh, what the Aryan territory, and this was the the Jewish ghetto, and they weren't supposed supposed to cross these lines, and and yet they they did do this. Yeah, they every day. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them for months, for years. If, yeah, years. If we, it's hard to wrap the brain around something that you know. It, this is not just uh, happening for a few weeks. For years, the war went on for years, and and they were engaged in in all this activity, saving people, and and then facing, coming face to face with the Nazis and being able to, to uh, well, I I would say manipulate them, right? Yes, often they had to. Um, you know, there are some stories like one one woman, Lanka Kajabratska, was carrying a heavy bag of contraband materials and she in her part of partly you know out to disguise herself she went right up to a gestapo man and said my bag is so heavy can you carry it for me um and this was of course to and of course he, he i mean she was very beautiful of course he would carry it for her this was to dissuade them from you know thinking she could possibly be a jew carrying a bag of uh, <laughs> underground materials so um Yes, they were. Yeah. They were. I mean, they were constantly being questioned and checked. And 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 the bravery that would take just to think I'm real. You know, this could. This is really life and death. No question about it. They would put. You know, by that kind of action, she could be found out, and she, that would be the end of her life. But you know, there was no question, but to have to do it. Yes. Yeah, yes, and many just... of these women were also really, I mean, they were really fueled by fury. They were, they, were, they were grieving their own, many times their parents had been killed, their families had been killed. They, they were so, I mean, outrageously angry. And, and you know, they, they, their fight was filled with fury and, and passion. 
So in the writing of this, Judy, I, I can imagine encountering that you you would need to to pause and take a break. Did you do that or did it just compel you to have to dig deeper so that the and and keep going because the story had to be told? You know, the 12-year work period really was, you know, a, 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 the first years were very slow going. Um, I was working on this in, in little drips and drabs um, because it was so difficult, and I wasn't ready. But once I committed to writing this book, then I just launched myself all in. And this became, you know, more than a full-time commitment. Um, and, then, and then I just had to do it. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of two different phases, one of a lot of stalling and, 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 you know, I had many different ideas. First, it was going to be a translation, then an academic book, then a novel. Then it took on many different forms. But then once I, I found this form, then, then and, and, and I was older. I was, you know, when I first found this book, I was single and, and living in London and, and working in the art world. It was the, the last place I really wanted to spend my days was Warsaw in 1943. But by the time I, I got down to really writing this. I myself was a bit older. I, I had more emotional stability in my life, and, and it felt more, I felt more able to dedicate myself. Well, again, we are the really the great beneficiaries of your having pursued this, uh, the writing of this important historical book, uh, the Light of Days, The Untold Story of Women, Resistance Fighters, and Hitler's Ghettos. Uh, we just have to know the stories and because history is so important. Now, the book is just uh, quite new, uh, available um, at all of our favorite book sources, and more information is uh, available at your website. So let's mention that, Judy. Yes, my website is www.judybattalion.com, and I it, it needs a little updating of recent media, but but all the links are up there, and all the information is on there. And just keep checking back because things yeah. are are always in flux of constantly uh, updating. There's been so so much news; <laughs> it's really exciting. I can't keep up. <laughs> And so in, in terms of updating, what is the status on this coming to film? Uh, well, right now they have commissioned a screenplay, and I am co-writing that screenplay. So we're still in very early stages. Nothing, nothing will happen quickly, um, but fingers crossed. So it, that's what? Probably, let's not think of it for a couple of years, potentially. Oh, definitely, yes. Yeah. Because uh, does it take a, a great deal of time to write the screenplay? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. And there's going to be many versions <laughs> and redrafts, and, and uh, it's, it's quite a, a different project from writing a book. Now, you're involved with it, so you are able to make sure that the the facts and and all the authenticity of the stories of what happened is maintained. 
I mean, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. I guess that just, yeah, it comes. Maybe in a couple of years or it, when the movie comes, then we have another conversation about that whole process. <laughs> but in the meantime, the book is is brand new. This is just such vivid, important history that, uh, Judy, you've essentially unearthed for us because... Uh, of course, the majority of us don't read Yiddish, so we would not be finding Freud and being able to read that. So in that way, you have done us just an incredible service, given us this great gift, the light of days. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very moved by, by your interest and by readers' interest. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. I I can't say or stress strongly enough how critically important it is for us to just know this history, to just be aware, and and to just really learn and find ways that we um, can be or imitate some of the heroic actions of the incredible women in these pages of The Light of Days. I, I, I do hope it inspires um, inspires people in their own fights today for for freedom and for fairness. Yes, all of that. Well, Judy Battalion, you are a, an incredible woman, just uh, so courageous and so talented to be able to uh, do all the interpretation of the of this early story so that we could have this current historical book in our hands. So many thanks for the work that you've put into it, and and thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me.